Good evening, everybody. Max Gordon here from Lineman Rewilding. I hope everybody's having a wonderful evening. I just got home after a long day teaching a big class. Um, taught a class of 20 kids, probably 20 adults. So it was a, it was a large class uh, in New Jersey, and we were focusing on acorns today. And that was really fun to be with the students and doing that. Um, so that felt really great. And Tomorrow I have another class teaching in Connecticut. As you can hear my voice, a little tired, but overall feeling really great and um, just happy to be doing this work, knowing that there's so much more to do and um, just trying to get ahead. Um, on another note, we have our plant foraging um, challenge that started and it ends actually this Friday. And the way it works, I'll read it to you. It's a five day plant foraging challenge. Day one, challenge. Find a field guide or reliable online resource on wild edible plants. Identify three common edible plants in your area and learn about their characteristics, seasons, and potential uses. I'd recommend Arthur Haynes, Roger Hammer, and Samuel Thayer as producers of reputable plant foraging guides. Number two is foraging basics, learning about ID, uh, learning about observation and your senses, um, kind of exploring. Day three is on wild plant foraging, so noting some toxic lookalikes and look, learning about um, just safety in general, learning about also how to process plants and anti-nutrients. Number four is harvesting and preparing them, um, so learning about endangered plants in the area, when to harvest them, um, and then how to make a dish. And, and day five is share your foraging journey share what you've learned, discuss your experiences, including the edible plants you found and the dish you prepared. Um, so this is in preparation for our, our online course, which is gonna be released, um, I believe on February 20th, February, um, February, I believe it's, I think it's February 22nd. February 22nd so that's really great and um, so this this is uh, a, this is gonna be um, a great opportunity for you to get prepared for that and um, and we're really I'm just super excited about having you part of this course it's gonna be a, a foraging class and foraging course about local plants in this area about eight different plants along with some different videos on preparing things and some hand some hand crafting of different tools and this is all going to be in, in uh, temperate climate but um, so if you live in the northern like the northern forests where oaks and hickories maples grow you'll um, you'll find you'll find these plants there so maybe I'll do a tropical one um, at some point but not yet um, so really happy about that opening up on uh, October 22nd. That's gonna be a th it's gonna be open for three weeks, and um, and then I'll also have an opportunity to um, at that point to bring on some more people for one-on-one -on -one coaching. And so this is an experiment. I'm not sure how it's gonna go, but I'm gonna run some. Um, I really hope it goes really well. I'm gonna do the do what I can to make that happen, and I'm really confident about the course in general. I'll just make sure I can get in the right hands 
and I get to communicate it in the right way. Um, for today, I'm going to read you to you from the origin of, um, of science. One to page 138. I'm going to read four pages for you tonight. Okay, so let's go to that. Um, 138. Turning to the possible origins of science, it is necessary to distinguish between empirical knowledge based on inductive deductive reasoning and creative science based on hypothetical deductive reasoning. In undergather subsistence, the two most important domains of natural science are those of plant life and animal life. Gathering plant foods requires much knowledge, but involves little skill when specimens are located because the mobility of plants reduces the number of variables in involved. Although a great amount of knowledge is required for gathering plant foods, it is relatively easy to learn and to apply. Hunter-gatherers themselves regard gathering as a monotonous activity. The transition from foraging to gathering involved mainly sociological and technological adaptations, but it may not have required a fundamental change in the nature of knowledge of plants or novel forms of scientific reasoning. Knowledge of edible plants may be gained by means of a trial and error accumulation of knowledge based on inductive deductive reasoning. Knowledge acquired in this way can then be passed on from one generation to the next. Food gathering does not require imaginative theories to explain plant life or to predict novel facts based on hypothetical deductive reasoning. As far as I know, it's not possible for a food gatherer to predict, for example, whether an unknown plant is edible or not, or which plants can be expected in unknown plant communities. Some berries and fruits look good to eat, but are in fact poisonous. Predictions as to where to look for edible plants, foods, are based on experience and therefore inductive deductive reasoning seems to be sufficient for the requirement of finding plant food. While plant foods like berries and fruit may be easily recognized, underground roots may represent the first basic step towards tracking. In a sense, a leaf that is visible above ground is a sign of an underground root hidden from the view. However, apart from the slight delay that it takes to dig out the root, the connection between the visible leaf, the sign, and the hidden root is very direct. This direct association can be learned from experience and is based on inductive, deductive reasoning. Many other animals such as baboons, mongooses, and gemsbrook also dig out edible roots, so this type of knowledge does not represent a novel evolutionary development in humans. One interesting example of hypothetical deductive reasoning applied to plants in their knowledge of Kalahari truffles. After good rains, truffles grow just beneath the surface of the sand under low Underneath low, broadleaf shrubs near pans, like water pans, where um, could be uh, uh, yeah. When wet sand dries out, a hard crust is formed on the surface. As the truffles grow, they push up towards the surface of the sand, creating cracks in the crust of the surface. These distinctive cracks are signs of the truffles hidden from view underneath the surface of the sand. So, in a sense, it involves a very basic form of tracking to find truffles. It is interesting to note that we refer to truffle hunting rather than truffle gathering and that modern truffle hunters are usually especially trained pigs or dogs to find them. Nate, uh, Nate the man explained to me that when it rains the leaves collect the rainwater which runs down towards a point from where it drips onto the ground. The rainwater is therefore concentrated at specific spots on the ground and this is where the truffles grow. This hypothesis explains why truffles grow underneath low broadleaf shrubs after good rains. 
Understanding why truffles grow, what, when, and where they do allows hunter-gatherers to predict when and where they will find them. However, even before Nate explained to me why truffles grow underneath these specific shrubs, I successfully found many truffles by simply searching for the distinctive cracks in the surface of the sand near the stems of the shrubs. Hunter-gatherers who learn by trial and error, inductive, deductive reasoning, that truffles are associated with specific plants would have been able to find them quite easily. Knowledge of, knowledge of underground roots and truffles demonstrate con continuity between plant food knowledge and the recognition of plant signs based on inductive deductive reasoning. Searching for roots and truffles may represent the most basic form of simple tracking, but while hunter-gatherers may apply hypothetical deductive reasoning to the plants, it is not clear that they need to. Once humans developed this ability, they would they would have they would have sorry um, they would have applied it to plants as well, but it may may not have been a necessity for survival. Plant food gathering therefore does not explain why humans needed to evolve the ability to do creative science. Hunter gatherers seem to know from past seasons when and where to go look for truffles, so knowledge based on trial and error and inductive on trial and error, error, inductive reasoning would have been sufficient. Other animals which do not practice creative science are perfectly capable of finding truffles, roots, and other plant foods. While plant life is relatively <coughs> static, animal life is dynamic, involving a mul multitude of variables that are continuously changing in real time. Animals are not highly mobile, living in complex com communities, but also actively avoid hunters. Apart from involving knowledge based on direct observation of animal behavior, both simple and systematic tracking also involve knowledge founded on the recognition of signs and the association of particular signs with specific animals and their observed behavior. Such knowledge, since such knowledge is derived from direct observation and association, it is essentially based on inductive deductive reasoning. The reasoning the reasoning process, processes involved in systematic tracking probably do not differ fundamentally from those used by predators who track down their quarry by following a scent trail. The main difference is that while other predators rely on their sense of smell to follow scent, human systematic trackers must rely mainly on sight to detect signs that are very complex and sparse. The greater complexity of signs may require more extensive knowledge and skill to recognize, but the mental processes involved may well be the same. The transition from systematic to speculative tracking, however, may have involved a fundamentally new way of thinking. Apart from information based on direct observations and recognition of signs, speculative tracking also requires an interpretation of signs in terms of creative hypothesis, hypotheses. The speculative tracker creates imaginative reconstructions to explain what the animals were doing and on this basis make a novel predictions makes novel predictions in unique circumstances. Speculative tracking involves a continuous process of conjecture and refutation to deal with complex, dynamic, ever-changing variables. Speculative tracking requires, however, hypothetical deductive reasoning and may therefore explain how, through natural selection, humans evolve their ability to do great creative science. Um, well, yeah, I'm a little tired today. Um, can, my eyes are pretty tired, but, um, I'd like to examine that more in terms of what he's talking about. It seems like 
is a little bit of bias towards um, only saying that, you know, it's like saying chicken or the egg, did hunting and gathering come first, which is one subject. And another subject is, you know, he, he's not really acknowledging, it, in my, my mind, he's not really acknowledging the plant foods that the indigenous people eat. It was mostly just, which is fine, but there was a lot more to be said about um, probably that he doesn't know about the plant foods in general and um, curious to look into that more. Um, I, um, I hope this was helpful for next week. I'm going to be continuing to read from this book and by next week, the plant foraging, um, plant foraging challenge will be over, but there will be that look, we're looking forward to the course coming out. So just stay in touch with us. Um, and I look forward to hearing back from you all. And thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have an amazing, amazing evening. Thank you so much.